0: of God's word. Good morning. I want to take just a, a couple of moments to kind of sort out some family business. Uh, we are we have been negligent in recognizing someone who has uh, decided to become a member of the body here at Newburgh clearly a body of, uh, part of the body of Christ as a whole, but they've chosen to, to worship with us on a regular basis. They've actually become invested enough that they are uh, helping cook meals on Wednesday nights, uh, and we're, we're a, little, uh, a little behind schedule in recognizing this individual. Um, some of you may have met Kathy Herman at this point. Uh, Kathy, can you wave your hand? You don't have to stand up for everybody, but just so we can see you a little bit. She's over there somewhere. Kathy has uh, decided to to, uh, become a member of the Newburgh Church of Christ. Uh, Greg Mears had pointed out, you know, we haven't officially recognized Kathy on Sunday mornings, and uh, it's good to know who's worshiping with us regularly. It's good to know faces, to know names. If we're a family, we should know one another and we should recognize one another. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't met Kathy, take a moment or two, uh, get to know her. Um, thank her for the food that she 's helped prepare on Wednesday nights. I think she 's got a turn coming up here pretty soon. Uh, I also want to let you know that there are some decorations around the building that you you may have noticed this morning. There was a wedding yesterday. Uh, Brian Rooney and now Julia Rooney uh, were married. They were married up at the uh, Hillsboro Church of Christ uh, not not Church of Christ the Hillsboro uh, community center, uh, and we uh, we got the opportunity to celebrate with them and uh, enjoy that, uh, that wedding. There are decorations around the building, and Brian has told me, aside from these two up here, you are welcome to take the garlands, the potted flowers, and uh, take them home and enjoy them for as long as they'll last you. Uh, that means that if you saw one as you came in and you thought, that's really beautiful, you should probably get to it before somebody else because somebody else is going to take it. And so, uh, you know, we don't want like a Black Friday situation with the flowers, but feel free to take them and be grateful and thank uh, thank the Roonies for that, the younger Roonies for that. Well, thank Brian because he's the one that brought them. We also want to let you know that there is a wedding coming up next weekend, uh, next Sunday, Uh, We are going to have the opportunity to witness the wedding of uh, Greg and Jennifer. We've been looking forward to this for a little while. It's been in the bulletin, uh, and we want to encourage you to come and be involved in the wedding. It is an open invitation to the members of this church, uh, to their families, obviously. Uh, And I I tell you what, I like the idea of two weddings in two weeks. I wouldn't mind a third wedding if if we know people who are wanting to get married, uh, Weddings are a lot of fun, uh, and so this could be a good trend for us to continue. This morning, I want to begin our lesson with a prayer, if you'll pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we, we want to be your church. We want to take on the image of your Son. We want to be shaped and formed into the kind of people you desire for us to be. And we want to be that way because we want to do the work that you have planned for us in this world. And so, Father, this morning, as we, as we look at the book of Ephesians, I pray that you help us to think carefully about you as the builder, you as the constructor, what it is that you are accomplishing in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week we talked about the idea that God has a plan and has always had a plan for humanity, for the things of heaven and the things of earth, this desire to unify them together in him, that this is in fact Paul's primary thesis of the book of Ephesians. What is God doing? God is uniting all things under him or in him. I encouraged us to consider how we could be as intentional in our planning as God is. We have a lot of people that we have the opportunity to interact with, to encourage, to uh, hopefully bring to the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But sometimes I don't know that we are quite as intentional about it as God is intentional about his plans. Uh, Oftentimes I think we're thinking, you know, two days ahead. God spent all of eternity looking forward forward. the fulfillment of his plan. From the foundation of the world, he knew what he was doing, how he would do it. There were no accidents in his plan. What he attempted to do, he did, because he's God. And in his forethought and his foreknowledge, he brought about exactly what he'd intended, Sometimes, though, I think we struggle with doing the same thing. And I want to talk this morning about ways in which I think we can kind of live into the vision of what what it is that God intends for us. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 2 to begin with, verse 18 through 22. I know this is a lot of text up there, but I promise we're going to read it, and then we're going to move into the meat of what we're talking about. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I want you to look at these specific words up here. Household of God, built on the foundation, cornerstone, the whole structure, joined together, holy temple, built together, a dwelling. I want you to think about these words because this is, this is essential for us understanding what God's plan for the church is. You, you had probably heard last week, and I'm really thankful to Brian for kind of coming back and reemphasizing it at the end of our service, God has always wanted to dwell with his people. That's one of the greatest messages of Scripture that we can read. If you look at the beginning of Scripture, when God prepares Eden, it is a place where he and humanity can walk together. God can interact with the creation that he has made. If you look at the descriptions of the tabernacle and the temple, there is Eden imagery throughout the whole thing, the idea of trees being embroidered or, or uh, sculpted into the works of that, that place, those places. There is an idea that this is where God might at least, if not with his people, dwell in proximity to his people. And we recognize that in the temple and the tabernacle, there were a select few that could get close to God, approach him in a way that might be a little bit reminiscent of what Adam and Eve were able to do. But not everyone could. Jesus, John describes, as one who has tabernacled among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This has been God's plan from the very, very beginning for him to live in proximity to his creation, to us specifically, to live in community with them. Now, we have often been the barrier to that reality. Immediately, right off the bat, we were the trouble in the situation. We were the, the piece of numbers that didn't work in the equation. In many ways, we were the ones that were throwing a monkey wrench into the works. God's design and purpose has always been to reclaim a place where we can dwell with him and he can dwell with us. And Paul employs this architectural language. He wants us to understand that what God is doing is building a place where he can dwell and we can dwell with him. And if you think about Scripture, in a lot of ways, these two terms kind of get thrown around a lot. There is him abiding in us, and us, abiding in him. Now, abiding is this idea of dwelling, living in a place, of residing somewhere, of taking shelter in a place. And scripture uses these two terms, not interchangeably, but, but often in proximity to one another. We abide in God. And God abides in us. That is the closest proximity we could possibly have with God. That's God's vision for his people. There's one particular phrase in here that I want us to focus on this morning because Paul uses it twice over these these chapters that we're reading this morning. And that is built together. Now, if you were at men's retreat last year, uh, this is the passage that I kind of built our men's retreat around uh, we talked about the idea of edification in many older translations of the Bible. Anytime that this word appears, that we translate as built together, it is the word edify, uh, or traditionally has been the word edify. And it, it can be difficult sometimes for us to understand what's being used or what, what that term means. What does edify mean? What does it mean to edify someone? What does it mean to edify a structure and so I want to talk to you for just a minute here. We're going to do a little bit of a word study, which is always everybody's favorite thing. Genealogies and word studies, right? This idea of being built together. I think I might have skipped a slide. No. Okay. I'm just going to throw yogurt up on the screen here. <laughs> the word built together in this particular passage, it's, it's really long. It's a Greek word. It's synoikodomeo. Synoikodomeo. Together, the house to the roof. Okay, this is, this is the word that we're talking about here. When you go to the store and you buy yourself an oikos yogurt, you're buying a yogurt that's literally called house, which is kind of a weird thing, right? Like name your yogurt after a structure. But that's, that's what the word means, the house. The word edify in this passage being built together together is Senoico Domeo, together the house to the roof, to construct it from the foundation to the ceiling. In fact, the truth is, most of the time when we read the word edify, we're just getting those second two pieces oiko domeo, the house built up to the roof. This is the image of edification. It is the idea that there has to be a place that we start, but we're working all the way up to the top of the structure. God is edifying us. He is constructing his church, and he had to start somewhere. Now, if you read the book of Ephesians, Paul is going to proclaim that the place that God started was with the cornerstone of Jesus, And a cornerstone defines the entire layout of the building. You set the cornerstone so that you know exactly where this wall is going to go and this wall is going to go. And if you put the cornerstone a little bit askew, it's not going to work on your property. It's going to look a little funky. You're going to have an offset building and it's going to be strange. And you want a cornerstone that is well-hued, that has defined characteristics, that when you look at it, you're like, that is the perfect stone on which to frame my house. Is there a more perfect stone on which to frame the church than Jesus? I think we'd all say no. And Paul says, he is the cornerstone. This is really essential for us to understand because sometimes I think we we get it in our heads that like Jesus gave us a whole model and and it's good that we have the model that Jesus has given us, but there are plenty of people that can redefine what the church... No, that's not at all what Scripture tells us. Jesus defines the structure of the church. He defines what it's going to look like, how the house is going to take its form. But there are others that come along And are able to, based on that cornerstone, lay out the remainder of the house. This is what Paul tells us, in fact. You have the cornerstone, who is Jesus, but the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus is the defining point, but the apostles and the prophets began to build a foundation from that. Because a cornerstone itself is not a foundation, A cornerstone is the point from which all of the rest of the house takes its structure. I want to be clear. Jesus is our one foundation. That is an absolutely true statement. But the way that Paul is describing it is he's trying to say, God has given us individuals who are going to help us in the process of being edified and built up. God utilizes not just the cornerstone but those who he has gifted in particular ways to help the body grow, to be built. In fact, he's going to get more specific on that point here in just a few moments. But it's important to recognize that God is not defining us only as a body, which he will do. You know, Paul will use that that terminology here in just a moment. He's defining us as a household. There are some of us that construct households very well. We're good hosts and hostesses. There are those that know how to prepare a meal and invite someone into their home very well. If you, if you are a particularly thoughtful person, you know, there, are, there are two types of uh, architects in our world. There are those who are like functional architects and they want everything you know, very open and, and easy to, to access. And they're thinking not necessarily from an aesthetic or hosting standpoint. They're just thinking, how do I get these walls up strong and sturdy? And then there are people who say, how is this space going to welcome people in? How are people going to feel as though they belong here? How are they going to find themselves feeling like the moment they stepped through the the door, they were a family in this household? Paul is encouraging us, I think, to see that what God is doing is not just building a building, He's constructing a home. This choice of edification, the house to the roof. This is language that Jesus uses over and over again in the Gospels. I think what we need to understand about what Paul is doing here is he's telling the people of the church, you know, God God wants to dwell among you. He wants you to be an inviting space for others to come into. God wants you to be the kind of place that other people might encounter him. And as they're there, they feel welcomed. They feel warmed. They find a space there that they belong in. What is it that Jesus says to his disciples before he's been crucified? In my Father's house, there are many rooms. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. God wants us to dwell with Him, and He wants to dwell with us. But we have to be framed. We have to be built. We have to be constructed. God works in us, on us, through us, but he's turning us into a place that can receive other people. He wants us to feel welcome. He wants us to feel comfortable. Those are good things, but God doesn't just stop with, this is the place I've prepared for you, and now that is enough. Now that Nancy is here, I'm not worried about who else comes in. If it's all to Nancy's liking, then we're good. Sorry, Nancy. I, I think you've got good taste, so if it's You know, to your liking, we're probably doing all right. But God has a thought for those outside as well, because God doesn't just stop and say, now that I've done the work of building the place where you feel welcome, everything's done. He lays the cornerstone. He builds on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, but he also invites us into the building process. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Listen to this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip, to equip the, uh, the saints for the work of ministry, for building, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, mature adulthood, personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Up until this point, in the book of Ephesians, Paul has been strictly focused on what God has been doing, how he's been doing it, why he's been doing it, and now he shifts to this idea that God has given us some who will help build us up so that we might do something else. Think about this. He's given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It is not the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers alone who build the church. Now the church is built up by these individuals, but if you look here, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. There's actually more that we're going to look at here in just a second, but the suggestion here is that once... You have been built up. You have a ministry of your own to build up the body of Christ. It doesn't end with our elders, our ministers, our deacons. Those individuals are here to build you up, to help make this a place where you can be built up, but it's for a specific end. When you have been built up, you are to go and find others to bring to the body of Christ so that the body of Christ might be built up. This word again that Paul uses multiple times over these chapters Our elders, our ministers, our deacons, those who serve, those who encourage, those who edify, build the house from the floor to the roof. But they're not the only ones who do the building. In fact, Paul is going to tell us that if it is only those individuals that do the building, that we don't really have a body. We don't really have a home. What we have is a bunch of disjointed parts laying all over the place. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, because he's shifted terminology here. He's moved from the idea of a house to a body, but for Paul, those two things are interchangeable. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And again, he uses this terminology... Build up, edify, to edify itself in love. I want to encourage you this morning with a couple of thoughts, and and then we're going to continue our worship. If you come here and you're not edified, someone isn't doing their job. Maybe that's me. Maybe that's our elders. Maybe maybe it's you. It is possible, I think, to be a, a dysfunctional board and uh, not want to fit into the building in some way. You get a very warped piece of wood, and it can be a lot of work to unwarp it. I'm not laying all the blame on you, but I do want you to understand, if you're coming to the church and you're not being edified, you have to ask yourself, what about my experience with the church is preventing my edification, my building up into the body of Christ? How how am I missing something here? We have to ask uh, ask ourselves that question. What is it that is preventing me from being made into a part of the home which God has built for himself? If it's a failure on the part of the preacher, or the elders, or the deacons, or anyone else within the church... We should address that. That's important. We talk to one another. You see, if, if we find ourselves unedified and we don't talk to the people that we think are responsible for that, there's no way to address it. If an architect is building a plan and one of the, the contractors takes a look at it and says, this doesn't work, but he never speaks to the architect, you know what happens? Things fall apart. Maybe not immediately, but five, six, seven years down the road, when shoddy materials were used or a literal corner was cut, things begin to fall apart. And that's why we have to communicate with one another about what is and is not working in the building up of the body of Christ. We don't want things to be built on a firm foundation, but then have everything taper off into chaos. we have to communicate with one another about what is and is not working in the building up of the body as individuals and collectively. In addition to that, you may be looking and saying, you know what, I haven't really done a whole lot of constructing myself Not of myself. You know, maybe you dedicate yourself to a lot of Bible study. Maybe you spend a lot of time praying. Maybe you spend a lot of time fasting. Maybe you spend a lot of time contemplating what it is that God intends for your life, but you're not doing a whole lot to bring in and build up. I want to encourage you to ask yourself Am I participating? in the building up of the body from the perspective of evangelism. Not everyone is an evangelist. I mean, Paul literally says that there are some who are given to be evangelists, but every Christian has someone in their life that God has placed in their life, or they have been placed in that person's life, for the sake of encouraging and equipping them, potentially bringing them to a full realization of who God is, who Christ is, what it is that God designed for their life and what he intends for them. If we, as the body of Christ, are not all participating in the building up, we are just a stack of lumber off to the side. There are some people in this room that are very much essential to the building up of the body of Christ who maybe have discounted their role, thinking, you know what, I am, I am a bolt in the corner that nobody's ever even going to notice, but you know what, that bolt holds one wall to the other. Maybe you have spent a lot of your life wondering if, if God even has a plan or a position for you within the church, a way in which you might build others up. Maybe you've minimized that role. Maybe the church has minimized that role in some way, shape, or form. And we got to talk about that. If you don't feel as though you are a part of the building up of the body of Christ so that we might all obtain maturity, I think we're missing something. And here's the key. There are a lot of people outside our doors. A lot of people that that may walk through those doors at some point. And a lot of people who have never even thought about walking through those doors. There are people that you sit across the workroom with. There are people that you interact with uh, at, the, at your child's school, in a PTA meeting, on the soccer field. Different places that you find yourself on a regular basis. And God has placed you in a position to build up. To edify. To work to bring more resources into the church. So that God might dwell with us and we might dwell with him but not just us alone also those who are out there. I want you to ask yourself what part of the building up do I play? What part of this home do I am I? What do I have to contribute? We're going to be spending some time over the next several months talking about this idea of being a welcoming church, about inviting others into our space and feeling as though they are welcomed into our home. What role will you play in that? In just a couple weeks, John Reed is going to be here to share with us about the Welcome Home Ministry, about how we, how we do guest relations, essentially, how we follow up with people who walk in our door, how we approach people before they've ever even heard of the Newburg Church of Christ in ways that tell them, this is a place where you are welcome. And then we go from just being people who construct a building to people who build a home. That's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Be thinking about ways that you might participate in the building of a home for the homeless in our world. Those who do not feel as though there is a place where they belong. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful that we have found a place with you and that you have found a place with us. But Father, we recognize that the mission of the church is to those who feel placeless, who feel as though there is not a space for them. Those who do not dwell with you and you currently do not dwell with, but long to be in the presence of. And I pray, Father, that we are constantly thinking about ways in which we might welcome the homeless into the home that you have built for us. Because, Father, before we knew you, before we knew how desperately alone we were, we did not know what home was. And through your Son, you have laid a foundation. Through your apostles and prophets, you have built a structure, and we continue to help in the process of putting that together, not just for our sake, but for the sake of those who don't know what home should be. So I pray that as we contemplate Ephesians, as we contemplate your work in the church, as we think ahead to the work that the church here in Newburgh will be doing, we ask ourselves, what role do I play in building up the house from the floor to the roof? Help us to carefully and thoughtfully consider that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have need of the church, I'm going to be at the back of the auditorium. John is going to lead us in worship, and you'd be welcome to visit back there with me. Our elders would be happy to pray with you. We have some ladies here who would be happy to pray with you as well. Let's stand in worship.